Hi, I'm Gavin Carlson, and this is Out of Bounds, Daily Bruin Sports Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Out of Bounds, the official sports podcast of the Daily Bruin. As always, I'm your host, Gavin Carlson, a fourth-year sports staff writer here at the Daily Bruin, and today it's just the duo, no Joseph today, but hey, we don't need him. We've got the one and only Jack Nelson, a senior sports staff writer here at the Daily Bruin with the best hair in the game. Jack, how are you doing today, buddy? I am doing awesome. Gavin got to write my first ever football rap yesterday. It was a surreal experience, and it's been a great day so far. How are you doing? Oh, look at that. Someone asked me how I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing great. Um, my Saints play tomorrow. Just a humble plug to any of the New Orleans Saints fans out there. Um, but yeah, shout out to Jack. He mentioned it. Uh, I, I got to experience it two weeks ago when UCLA played Coastal. Jack had it uh, this past Saturday. It's real cool to be in the press box at the Rose Bowl. So uh, obviously both of us are very grateful for those opportunities. Shout out to the Daily Bruin as always. And shout out to our camera lady as always, Zoe Busenberg, behind the cameras, the three cameras, giving you this amazing video experience. Um, as always, make sure you check out the YouTube channel, UCLA Daily Bruin, to you know look at our beautiful faces and continue listening on all the podcasting platforms as well. But enough of the plugs, enough talking about us. Let's talk about UCLA football because... My goodness, what a performance yesterday. We are recording on a Sunday, and UCLA on a Saturday um, had one of the most impressive performances I think we've seen in a while, 59-7 uh, to seven over NC Central. Obviously not the strongest opponent, um, but to be able to do what they did, I mean, two touchdowns in like the first minute of the game, um, I think they said the highest scoring first quarter ever in the history of the program, and I think it was the biggest overall win since 2012, if I read that correctly. Uh I don't think we need to go through every touchdown. You guys watched the game, but Jack, what were your, your you know, your overall takeaways uh, from what was just a, you know, dominant performance from start to finish from UCLA? Yeah, I mean, everyone's been talking about the quarterback competition all year long. The question is, like, is it Dante? Is it Colin? Is it Ethan? But I mean, we know it's Dante's team at this point in the season. I think we can comfortably say that after this game. But this game wasn't really about passing for UCLA. It was very much about the running game. I mean, he had 404 rushing yards of 614 total yards. Like, that is an unreal amount of rushing yards. That's mad numbers right there. Uh, and so it was really interesting just to be able to see UCLA use a bunch of its different weapons in the backfield that we don't normally see. I think they had five different players with at least 50 yards on the ground. We got to see a lot of Anthony Adkins, too, which was interesting with someone who we really have not seen that much of this season. It's mainly been TJ Harden, Carson Seal, those kind of conventional running backs. And, of course, Anthony Adkins is a much different guy. He's from Army. He's more of a bigger back. Traditionally, I think traditionally a fullback before he came to UCLA. But he, he kind of had a breakout game. I think he had 96 yards on 10 or so carries. So he had a big game. But yeah, just it was really about the running game for UCLA. Yeah, like you said, Anthony Atkins, the leading rusher actually for UCLA with those 10 carries for 96 yards. But just some of the yards per carry numbers, ridiculous. Anthony Atkins, 9.6. And that was actually the fourth best on the team. Carson Steele, five carries, 83 yards, 16.6 a carry. Obviously, he had a couple of huge rushes, uh, the longest being a 42-yard run. TJ Harden, he seems to have a big rush every game. He had a 62-yard carry, finished with five carries for 68 yards, 13.2 per carry. And then Colson Yankoff, who is not really a big play guy, you know, short yardage runner. He kind of showed it off himself. He had a 25-yard carry overall, six carries, 61 yards, 10.2 yards a carry. So, like you said, a dominant performance from the run game. And, you know, it's really been the identity of this Chip Kelly team, especially in the last couple of years. Um, but I think we've been talking about a lot how it's going to be interesting to see, is it, you know, two running backs, three running backs, four running backs? You know, is there Colin Schley throwing in the mix as well? 
Um, last year, we were so used to it being Zach Charbonnet, Zach Charbonnet, with the occasional Kaz Allen carry, the occasional Keegan Jones. Um, but to see such a balanced attack, um, that's something that's going to be a strength of this team going forward. Um, the defense as well. I mean, they had a shutout basically until the end of the game. And once again, we're not going to read too much into maybe some of the the stats. And like you said, it was really mad numbers. Um, but just what did you see from the defense? I know one thing that stuck out to me, um, we talked about the front six or front seven being great in terms of the starters, but being able to see the depth, being able to see backups go in there and get pressure on the quarterback, being able to see, you know, the, the front the front four just be in the backfield at will all game long. Um, that's what you want to see from UCLA against a FCS team that's not very strong up front. But I think looking forward to Utah, which we're going to talk about for most of this episode, I think that's going to be the difference is the front seven. I guess who's, who stood out for you the most, or I guess who has surprised you the most, not only in that game, but so far in that front seven, front six. We know about Law too. We know about Muausau, But just maybe who's the, maybe the X factor that's, that's performed the best so far, in your opinion? You know, honestly, for me, I don't know if it really comes down to one player from what I've seen. I think in this game, as you mentioned, this was just because it was such a dominant you know, performance from UCLA's offense that really most of the stars for the defense kind of came out of the second half. There was a lot of players we hadn't seen before come out in the second half and really get some playing time there. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as you pointed out, I think this is just, it's a very deep defense. We've talked about the defensive front, how strong that front seven has been for them. Um, but I think, I mean, obviously it's against an FCS opponent. It's against, an, uh, you know, an offense that really wasn't going to do much against UCLA, even with their starters in the game. Um, but I think, yeah, this is this is just a very, it's a very deep defense. It's a defense that is is well coached. I think Danton Lynn is starting to make an impact. We've seen, I think, some seen the secondary improve throughout these first few games. They've forced a lot of turnovers, which is something to keep an eye on, especially as we, you know, gear up for Pac-12 play coming up next week. Um, but I think for the defense, though, I don't think it really comes down to one player in particular, at least not from what I saw last night or last afternoon. Um yeah, I think it's just a very deep team, and it was interesting to kind of see that kind of come through against a team like this. Yeah, I mean, dominant performance, both sides of the ball. Um, we'll transition now. UCLA is 3-0, and obviously. Um, we'll, there's plenty of debates about what the strength of their schedule was overall. I think people really underestimated that Coastal Carolina team. That's not a bad team. They've historically been a team that's snuck into the top 25 rankings uh, occasionally. So people are sleeping on that when San Diego State, a strong rushing team, a strong rush defense team, and UCLA – did both of those things well. They ran the ball well. They stopped the run well. So I think UCLA has made statements despite not playing a ranked opponent yet, not playing, you know, an SEC team or anything like that, or even a Power 5 team, uh, you know, to be honest. But now we transition to week four because there's no debate about this upcoming point, opponent. UCLA opens Pac-12 play against arguably, is it arguably the, the big dog of the Pac-12? They've been the big dog, the you know, defending Pac-12 champs two years in a row. Obviously, USC is the highest ranked team in the Pac-12 right now. But, Jack, is Utah still the king of the Pac-12 until someone throws them off the, that that perch? Absolutely. I mean, we've talked about USC, just the amount of difference that, you know, Lincoln Rally's made over there with Caleb Williams. They're probably the closest team to Utah right now. Maybe better than them. We'll see what happens if those two teams square up this season. I don't know off the top of my head if they're actually going to be playing each other. Um, but, yeah, I think Utah, they're the top dog until someone knocks them off. I'm kind of a believer in that sort of philosophy. So Yeah, they've been the top dog, and it's usually because of Two things. Their overall defense has been fantastic, really, since Kyle Whittingham's been there, but especially in recent years. Um, and really, they, they control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. They love to run the ball. They've had a great quarterback the past two years, the Pac-12 you know, championship player of the game 
in Cam Rising. And the big question is whether or not we're going to see Cam Rising in this game at Reese Eccles Stadium. Because Rice Eccles Stadium. Did I get it right? Is it Reese or Rice? Rice Eccles. It is Rice Eccles. Who knows? But they'll be in Salt Lake City. The question is, will Cam Rising be playing in Salt Lake City? Um, we've seen very mixed performance from Utah's pass attack um, with Nate Johnson in the recent game against Weber State. They did win 31-7, to but minimal performance from the passing game. If it is not Cam Rising, is it? Is UCLA the favorite in this game? I think UCLA is a five-point underdog right now with us not knowing who's going to play. But if UCLA is going up against Nate Johnson and not Cam Rising, is UCLA the favorite in this game? I think yes. I will say UCLA is the favorite in this game. That being said, this is one of the toughest environments to play in college football. They're going to one of the stadiums where you know the crowds are really riled up, and this is like it should be an afternoon game, not an evening game. But it will be a tough environment to play, and that's always a tough stadium, Rice Eccles. Um, but yeah, I mean, Nate Johnson, he had a pretty decent game against Weber State. Not, not really anything flashy. Obviously, they want to have Cam Rising in that position. Um, but even, you know, even if they do put Cam Rising out there, I still think UCLA has a better chance and maybe the the betters and all the analysts are giving them, uh, you know, the, the benefit of the doubt or whatever they're saying right now on all those um, media sites. But I think, it, yeah, it comes down to the fact that if it's Cam Rising or not, UCLA can really, you know, it's, it's going to be a tough game for him. And I think, yeah, with Cam Rising, it's just, there's so much we don't know. He literally has not played a football game since January against Penn State in the Rose Bowl. And him coming back from torn ACL, one of the hardest injuries to come back from in sports, and not having these past few games to kind of get comfortable with this offense and really, you know, get ready for this kind of matchup against a much better defense. And so I, I think UCLA will have a much better chance if it's Nate Johnson. I think that's kind of a given. But still will be a tough environment to play in regardless. Yeah, just looking at some of the numbers um, in terms of UCLA and Utah, how they match up, and there's going to be all sorts of asterisks put on these stats given the matchups. Obviously, Florida or Utah had that season opening game against Florida, um, probably the best opponent that either team has played in their first six. Um, but if you look, the biggest separation is really UCLA's offense, specifically uh, in the air through through the air compared to Utah. Overall, UCLA tied for 20th in the nation with 40.3 points per game. I mean, they just put up 59 against an FCS team. So, you know, once again, asterisk there, but they've looked strong. Dante Moore obviously doing his thing so far. Meanwhile, Utah just tied for 87th, only 25 points per game. They really underperformed in that second game against Baylor, and I think that's kind of what cancels out some of these, you know, question marks about who they played and, oh, they played Florida. They underperformed against Baylor, and even 31 points against Weber State is not eye-opening. So I think Utah's offense has left a lot to be desired. Um, but really, like we said, Utah's always been a team that controls the line of scrimmage. Uh, the rush offense and rush defense is always strong. Uh, this year, though, UCLA better at both aspects so far. UCLA top three, third in the country, 270 yards per game on the ground. We talked about all the weapons they have there. Utah, 39th, 186.7 yards per game. And then even in the rush defense aspect, uh, UCLA, I must misspoke, Utah is just slightly better. UCLA tied for 11th, 69.7 yards allowed per game on the ground. Utah allowing 65. So it's kind of similar to the San Diego State matchup for UCLA in terms of you're playing a team who's great uh, on the line of scrimmage, great front seven, but so is UCLA. Uh, it's really two teams where their strengths are aligned they're playing against each other's strengths and so obviously usually that means who's going to win that battle right if two teams are good at running the ball and good at stopping the run who's going to win that battle and then who's the x factor in, in the quarterback position on both sides if it is cam rising is dante Moore still the edge for ucla is he a better quarterback than cam rising at this point because if it comes down to 
the run game's canceling out, and it comes down to the two quarterbacks. And if we assume Cam Rising is there against Dante Moore, does UCLA have the edge, or are you still giving the nod to Cam Rising? I'm definitely still giving the nod to Cam Rising if he's in the game, and it's Dante on the other end. I mean, ultimately, Dante... He is a freshman. He has never played against a Pac-12 opponent before. Utah will be quite the first test for him. It'll be a big, big challenge to go in there and try and get the win with UCLA. But Cam Rising is just such, such an ex- sorry, such an experienced quarterback in this kind of like tight position against teams like this. He's what back to back. He was with Utah for both these Pac-12 championships, absolutely, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So he's yeah he's been a very dominant force for that offense, and he's been so consistent when he has been in there. Obviously, now without him, there's been a lot of questions. But Utah is still 3-0 without him. They're still a good team at this moment. Um, even, you know, as you said, playing against Florida, that's a big win for them, especially with Florida knocking off, I think, what was Tennessee yesterday? Yeah, they just beat Tennessee. So so. That's a big win for them as well. Yeah. So that win looks better for Utah now. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I think Cam Rising still has the edge over Dante. It'll be interesting to see how Dante responds to such a much better defense in Utah right. and how he's able to maybe – try he'll probably challenge him to go to some receivers that he's maybe not as used to going to maybe they'll eliminate Sturdivant from the passing game or maybe they'll force UCLA to go to the rushing game more we'll see what will happen but I think ultimately yeah Cam Rising has still has the edge there well guess what you might have Cam Rising over Dante Moore I I do as well okay I'm, I'm, I'm not going for the hot take yet uh Dante has to do it against a strong defense like you said don't want to disrespect Cam Rising who like we said has won two championships was in the Rose Bowl um but I think the real question is if it's an 80% Cam Rising versus a healthy Dante Moore, I think maybe I do give the nod to Dante Moore. I think I give the nod to, da- to Dante's weapons over Utah's weapons. Uh, J. Michael Sturdivant, probably the best wide receiver on the field for either side. Uh, I know Utah has McMillan, the, the USC transfer, and he's an interesting player for sure. But um, I think it's, it's one of those rare cases where I think everyone remembers the UCLA game against Oregon last year and how – UCLA is having one of the best seasons it's had in so long, and they go they go to Autzen, and oh, they're just they're outmatched talent wise, and oh, like even when UCLA you know beats Utah, it's like they kind of won on at home. Zach Charbonnet kind of carried, you know, is UCLA really as talented as Utah? Blah blah blah. I think this might be the rare time where you could say UCLA's roster overall might be a more talented roster than Utah's, especially with how they've played so far. I mean, so then that's kind of what I want to transition into now is. Looking at UCLA's roster, uh, asking a few question marks about who the, who the starters are. I know we've debated, you know, that we talked about the secondary on the last episode. John Humphrey officially got the start over Devin Kirkwood in the last game. I don't want to say that uh, I called that, but I, I don't know. We kind of all talked about it. I had Kirkwood higher than Humphrey on our, our depth chart or whatever, our rankings, but um, I think Humphrey has passed up Kirkwood. Um, I think we finally know a little bit more about the roster overall, but in terms of our segments, we know people love our segments. I'm going to start with a little buy or sell. Uh, people enjoyed that one. So we talked about the run game. In this upcoming game against Utah, buy or sell, Anthony Atkins is going to have a legitimate role for the Bruins, or are they just going to go back to TJ Harden and Carson Steele and that Atkins performance was kind of a, you know, just a fun game against uh, NC Central. Buy or sell, Anthony Atkins. I'm going to buy, actually. I am a little bit... I'm riding the Anthony Atkins hype train a little bit okay. just because I was there in person and kind of a little bit. So okay. I was I was very focused on his performance because I think he really just had a great game against um, NC Central yesterday. But I think it, 
obviously, yeah, TJ and Carson, they lead this backfield. They're two, as I mentioned earlier, two very conventional running backs in college football these days. And Anthony just kind of brings a whole new dimension to that backfield. I think that's one thing that um, the UCLA coaching staff probably realized after this game is that when you put him in the game, you get someone who maybe is not the most agile, the most fast running back like Carson TJ bring to the game. You have someone who's just a very hard guy to take down in the open field. He sheds a lot of tackles. He gets a lot of yardage from beyond the line of scrimmage. And so I think he, because of what he showed yesterday against NC Central and the kind of new dimension he adds to the backfield a little bit, I think we could see his usage definitely go up against Utah this weekend. I don't like disagreeing with you, Jack, because I love you. But I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to sell it. I think it was a great story. It was a great performance. But just looking at the season so far in two, you know, the two close games to start the season, Atkins did not have a carry against Coastal. And against uh, San Diego State, I believe he had five carries for, uh, yeah, five carries for 26 yards. <laughs> I mean, is he going to touch the ball? Yes. Is he going to get three to four carries? I'd say so. I think especially in that, whatever you want to call that formation with three running backs behind Dante and short yarded situations. We've talked about that on this podcast, how there's so much potential for what Dante Moore can do, handing the ball off to Carson Steele or Yankoff or Atkins in that formation. So does Atkins get three or four carries? Yes. Does he have eights or nine or 10 like he did uh, against NC Central? I don't know. Um, it's just such a big game, and I think you're going to want to lean on your two workhorses. But, hey, if I'm wrong and Jack's right, I, I feel like people are going to be happy about that. He's got me beat in the hair game. I feel, feel like he's got me beat in the, the fan favorite game as well. So I'm, I'm sure just because I said that, people will want Anthony Atkins to do well. Um, I'm messing around. But uh, we'll go to another buy or sell. Um, this is, I don't know. I, I, I've been thinking about this. Buy or sell, is Chip Kelly a better coach than Kyle Whittingham? Whoa, I was not expecting that one. <laughs> um, no, Kyle Whittingham's a better coach than Chip Kelly. <laughs> at the collegiate level, it's easily Kyle Whittingham. You're thinking about like how much he has built at Utah, how long he's been the coach there. What is it like? Since the early 2000s, he's been at Utah, right? He's been yeah. a long time in that program. And just the way he's built it up and had so much success these past few years and maybe not turn into bowl success in the case of the Rose Bowl, with Utah losing the previous two Rose Bowls. They've been in still getting back-to-back Rose Bowls at Utah, where historically that team has not been, you know, a huge Pac-12 contender. That's that's pretty impressive. And I, I think, I mean, yeah, Chip deserves a lot of credit for the work he's done with UCLA, just starting with basically nothing and having a really rough first few seasons and going through all the criticism and everything and still getting a lot of fair criticism, I guess, maybe for just now getting over, I think, 500. He's with UCLA. He's now 30-29 and 29 all-time at UCLA. Uh, with that win over NC Central. But yeah, I think Kyle Winningham is definitely a better coach than Chip Kelly, at least the collegiate level. I'll be honest. I, I kind of threw that question in there more so to be able to talk about Chip Kelly. I'm gonna <clears throat> I'm gonna sell as well. I've got Kyle Winningham over Chip Kelly as well. Accomplishments wise, I think yeah, he, I, I don't think it's really that much of a debate. But I do want to use this moment to talk about Chip Kelly a bit because we know how much criticism he's got since he's been in Westwood and for good reason. The first couple of seasons were quite embarrassing, losing records, getting blown out at home to Oklahoma, you know, basically losing every game in the conference against any respectable opponent. But if you really put into context now these last, you know, season and a half, what he's been able to do last season, he surprises everyone when he beats Utah. And I feel like people forget about that Utah game. We had number 11 Utah come to the Rose Bowl, play number 18 UCLA. Question marks about whether that 18th ranking was legit for UCLA, you know, hadn't Hadn't earned a huge win yet, quote-unquote. They had beaten Washington, but 42-32 to 32 was the final score. They really dominated that game. Uh, DTR, obviously, was a superstar all season and in that game. But 
once again, I, I talked about it earlier in the episode. Last season, UCLA's roster was not Utah's roster, and they still won that game. Um, so Chip Kelly deserves credit for probably out-coaching Kyle Whittingham in that game last year. And now, like I said, there's an, a legit argument that can be made that he has a better roster or a very similar roster to Utah this year. So who says that in a single game, Chip Kelly can't be the better coach like he was probably last year? Obviously, you win the game when you have a lesser roster. You're the better coach. So, yes, Kyle Whittingham is a better coach than Chip Kelly. But, no, I don't think it's as wide a gap as people might think when they hear the two names compared. Um, I know a lot of people are going to have something to say about that. Chip Kelly is probably the most polarizing name in Los Angeles, arguably. So, um, but that's just my opinion. Um, I want to go to predictions now. Like we said, UCLA is, as of now, on this Sunday, a five-point underdog. As of now, we have no idea who's going to be the quarterback for Utah. How do we do, want to do this? Do we want to do a if Cam Rising plays score prediction? Do we want to do a if he doesn't and if he does? Or do you just want a flat prediction? And maybe you add context about who you think is going to play quarterback for Utah. How do we want to do this? Let's do a flat prediction, and okay. then we can add context if we want. Okay. Well, you go first then. Flat prediction, and then tell me in your prediction, did you have Cam Rising playing? All right. I am going to give it to Utah in this one. I have Utah winning, let's go with 28-21. Um, I, earlier this season, I had Utah winning this game before seeing the, you know, the sample size of these previous three games for UCLA. I'm going to stick with that. I think that we actually will see Cam Rising, though not for the full game. I think he's not at the level that he needs to be where he can comfortably play a full game of football and still feel, you know, like he's not going to have to go back to the bed for a while when he comes back off the sideline. Um, so I think, yeah, just with him coming back from an injury like that, we're only going to see some of him, but it'll be like enough for Utah to still win this game over UCLA. And I will, I will say this, I think it's going to be closer than... I initially thought early this season, just because UCLA has shown us a lot with their defense and the way they can operate with offense, you know, under Dante Moore, under center. So we'll we'll see what happens, but I do have Utah with the edge. 28-21, you said? Yes. And with Cam Rising, half playing, half not playing. I think that's actually interesting what you said about his, you know, how much he does play, because he does have kind of a completely different skill set to Nate Johnson to where you kind of can, you know, have both out there and present a different look for the UCLA defense. We know historically, I don't know if there's any stats to back this up, but I feel like people would agree. Historically, UCLA has struggled against quarterbacks who can move around. Um, you think about guys like Jake Hayner, Jane DeLore pulling off crazy upsets at the Rose Bowl because they can run around. Uh, Daniels, when he was uh, at a, at Arizona State, did the same thing. So there's kind of a history of UCLA being able or struggling against mobile quarterbacks. And so, you know, if Cam Rising, who in his own right is kind of a mobile quarterback, he won't be if he does play with, you know, everything he's coming back from. But Nate Johnson, change of pace. Maybe he gets two drives. Cam Rising comes back in. And then maybe if it's the fourth quarter and it's a close game, then you have Cam Rising run, you know, play the majority of the, the remainder of the game. I, I wouldn't be surprised. That's a good call that they can really alternate and kind of present different looks. Um, we'll go to my prediction. I, like you, had Utah beating UCLA in Salt Lake City when we did our full season predictions, but I have changed my pick. I Call me a believer. I don't know what you want to call me. Um, like I said, I think Dante Moore is probably a better quarterback than an 80% healthy Cam Rising or a Cam Rising-Nate Johnson duo. Heck, UCLA has their own duo. Chip Kelly seems to love him some college, Colin Schley. Preferably just the legs, though. I think he threw four passes, and one of them was a pick against an FCS team. So let's just stick to the legs for Colin Schley. But 
I think Dante Moore is better than a not fully healthy Cam Rising. I've, I'm going to keep saying it. I think the roster is closer to even. Usually might even have a better front seven. We know they, they I think I, I saw a stat that they had the highest pressure rate per game in all of Power 5. That defensive line is legit. And the environment will be interesting. We'll see how Dante Moore handles it with him being a freshman. But I've got UCLA winning this one very close, 27-24. Two defenses that are going to keep the offenses very limited. Um, But I think a couple big plays, that's the main thing. UCLA has shown the ability to score points on big plays. So even if the environment's tough, even if third downs are not being converted, even if there's a turnover or two, in the blink of an eye, Dante Moore can complete a pass to J. Michael Sturdivant. He had a 30-yard touchdown on Saturday. You know, we had the big one in week one. So I think just with the big playability that UCLA has that Utah does not have, um, I'm giving UCLA the edge, 27-24. But it's going to be a great game regardless. So I think that's going to do it for today's episode. We've got our predictions. UCLA-Utah, a huge game. Number 11, Utah hosting. Number 22, UCLA. If, If... UCLA wins this game. Where do they where do they fall in the AP rankings going into the next week? I think it's the uh, top fifteen entrance for UCLA. Honestly, I totally agree. I totally agree. Four zero. You've really looked strong in all three games, and maybe just haven't played good enough teams to be in the top twenty yet. But if you beat Utah in Utah, regardless of who's playing quarterback, that's a top fifteen football team. If they yep. lose, they fall out of the top twenty five most likely. But um, yeah, that'll do it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed. As always, we really appreciate. Uh, the viewership, especially if you got to the end, then you are a loyal viewer, and we appreciate you for that. Um, like this episode and every episode, you can check us out on UCLA's YouTube channel, UCLA Daily Bruin YouTube channel. Um, and also, if you want to just listen to the audio version, if you for some reason don't want to look at that amazing hair, I don't know why you wouldn't want to look at that amazing yeah, hair. come on. I know you want to look at this hair. A- absolutely. But if you don't, for whatever reason, you can listen on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on Apple Podcasts. As always, a transcript of this episode and every episode is available at Daily Bruin's website, dailybruin.com. And make sure you stay on the lookout for all of our coverage throughout the week. You know, we're going to have Joseph in Salt Lake City covering the game for the Daily Bruin. Um, but just all of our midweek coverage. We've got previews, scouting reports, notebooks throughout the week. We're going to be scouting Utah. I'm going to be excited to do that. Um, but please support our articles. We put a lot of work in for those. We put a lot of work in for this podcast as well. Jack, any closing statements? As you said, we're always cooking. We always got content coming out. So keep an eye on the Daily Bruin website. And we just have, oh, I will say this. There's now a Daily Bruin Sports Instagram. Oh, just went up this week. Make sure to give that a follow. Share that with all your friends. Helps share our content. It helps us get some visibility. We would really, really appreciate that. So definitely give that a look. That is a perfect plug. I totally forgot about that. And I don't normally give you a last statement. But what a, what a time to give a last statement. Perfect. Follow us on Instagram as well. Thank you so much for watching. UCLA versus Utah this upcoming Saturday. We can't wait. Take care. We'll see you next time. So long.